Hey, hey, now, what is up, good people? Welcome into the Full Coverage Football Show. We are live here on our Facebook page, fb.me backslash fcfspod. And we are also available 24-7 if you check out this page, if you check out YouTube, or if you want to listen to the audio version just because you don't want to see my beautiful bearded face. You can check out the audio version on Google Pods, Apple Pods, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, and we are there. So, before we get into things tonight, make sure you do us a favor. Look at the bottom of your screen and see our sponsors and our page so you know what's up with us at all times. Also, if you're watching live here on the Facebook page, go ahead and comment. Be a part of the show. You can comment. We will read your comments for the most part, and we will post them on the screen so that you can be semi-famous along with us. It'll be a lot of fun. But we got a good show for you tonight. Some good, good stuff going on. We've got Pat Mahomes' mega deal when we go around the NFL. We're going to talk possibly no college football. Some stupid NFL jersey rules. Top five running backs. And some players who want to get traded. One of which has no right to ask for a trade. And, yeah, I'm salty. And we'll talk more about that later. When Drew comes on, we're going to bring him on shortly. And then we're going to get into our AFC North 2020 preview with our guest who canceled on us at the last minute once again. So, without further ado, let's bring on the star of the show, Mr. Drew Ward. So, let's welcome in Mr. Drew Ward at Detroit Dave 7 on the Twitterverse. What is up, brother? My man, good evening to you. How are you, my friend? I cannot complain. I am ready to talk some football. Let's do it. Let's do it. And let's start with the number one thing here going on in the sports universe outside of COVID, outside of the racism, and we won't bring up Deshaun Jackson tonight. We need to move on from this kind of subject, and it's getting a little difficult to talk about. So let's talk about Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes signed a 10-year extension with the Kansas City Chiefs that brings his total deal to 12 years and can be worth up to $503 million. The extension alone is a 10-year, $450 million deal, $140 million guaranteed. Now, if the Chiefs decide today that they don't want to pay, pay him anymore, they decide they made a mistake and they say, hey, let's go let him be a free agent. The way this deal works right now, it only added 30000 to this year's cap, which is crazy when you think about all the money. However, his cap number for this year is $2.8 million. If they cut him, that goes to $63 million cap number. <laughs> Bonkers. If he keeps in the deal on March in March of 2022, the third day of the league year, the Chiefs can decide to buy him out for $70 million, cut him a check right there, or he gets $38 million guaranteed. Now, 2023 comes around, they can essentially cut him if they give him $78.4 million or they can give him $38 million to play. And come 2024, that number becomes $76.85 million if they want to cut him. So that's on the third day of the league year each season of this deal. It's unbelievable. And if they decide to hold on to him and cut him in 2026, the extension essentially becomes a five-year, $247 million deal, which is absolutely insane. Five years, $250 million basically. But either way, the total value of this contract can reach $503 million and is the richest contract in all of sports history. Is this insane? And is this what other players are going to start getting? Or is this a Pat Mahomes only deal? No, it's Pat Mahomes only deal. I mean, right? <laughs> I would say so. I mean, th- nobody else is getting that. Um, listen, you, Pat Mahomes is special. You, you, the thing is, with, with a deal like this, I remember the frustration and the anger when the Lions signed Stafford. These deals mm-hmm. just keep growing and growing. But this kind of deal... It's almost like the Christian McCaffrey deal for a running back. You're not going to see another one of those deals. Yeah. There's not going to be another running back paid like that. This guy's special. I mean, listen, a, a 10-year deal in the NFL, in the NFL where, I mean, anything can happen on any any play. Um, but what are you what are you going to do? Let the guy – I mean, you're trying to you're, – you're making him basically a Kansas City Chief for life. Mm-hmm. He's basically – He's tied to you for the next 12 years. Um, and, of course, like you said, the, if they were ever going to move off of him, the earlier they would move off of him, the better, based off of the the actual structure of the mm-hmm. deal. 
Um, the longer you hold on to him, you know, then you get into these, I mean, wild numbers. How they managed to structure the cap for this year, I honestly, you can tell, I, 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 I don't know. I, okay, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to act sophisticated in the cap enough to understand it, but good for the Chiefs. I, I think good for Patrick Mahomes. Um, you want a Super Bowl? I mean, I guess, I guess you could say that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of pressure on the kid at this point. I mean, that's that's a big deal to live up to. Um, but I certainly think he's a wonderful personality. He seems like a great kid, and none of these contracts surprise me. Um, this, the years of the contract surprised me more than the, the value or the, you know, the dollars, 10 years to me is aggressive. Like, I mean, this is the NFL. Like he could get split in half tomorrow on the end mm-hmm. of the football field. Like, so and I'm sure there's, you know, injury structures and things like that, but whew, 10 years is <laughs> it's a lot of years, but, but I, I mean, if, if you're the Chiefs, why not? You know, but but again, come two years down the road when they're they're having to figure out how to structure deals based off of the cap because that amount of hit to the cap eventually is going to be to be pretty extreme on the team. Well, when you look at the deal and you break it down, and you're looking at come March of 2022 when it's 38 million guaranteed. You're thinking, okay, right now Matt Ryan's a 30 million dollar quarterback, and everyone thought that deal five years, 150 million. It was absolutely bonkers at the time, too. And you brought up the Stafford deal. He's almost not even in the top 10 highest-paid quarterbacks anymore. So he is an absolute bargain at this point. But for $38 million guaranteed two years down the road, that may be less annual average value than a Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson. And when you think about it, 10 years or total of 12 years, basically tying this 24-year-old quarterback to the Chiefs until he's 36 years old, Pat may be leaving money on the table here which is insane to think about with a $503 million contract. When you break it down and think he's getting a five-year $250 million deal based out of 2026 on this extension of the guarantees, that's his prime five years from now. Think of how good he can be. And yeah, the $140 million guaranteed, that kind of helps the Chiefs. So if he does get split in half, yeah, it's really nice for him, $140 million guaranteed, but it also saves the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we talk about it, there's, there's no one else going to get this deal. This is the Mike Trout deal in baseball. No one else. You talk about, oh, Manny Machado got $300 million, And then you got Bryce Harper got $300 million. Trout got $400 million because he's Mike freaking Trout. He's the best player on the planet. Pat Mahomes is the greatest football player playing right now. And you look at some of these throws he makes as we watch some of the highlights here on the screen for those of you listening on the audio version. For those of you who've never seen him throw, he's ridiculous. He's really freaking talented. He can throw from any platform. The kid's just a flat-out stud. But Deshaun Watson's coming up for a deal. What is? What are the Texans going to do with him? Is he going to get $300 million? Probably. I mean, no Bill O'Brien, you never know what he's going to do. That's right. And then you got Dak Prescott still looking for a deal from Jarra, and Jerry doesn't seem to want to pay him. Yeah. But these guys cannot seriously look at what Mahomes got and say, yeah, that's what I deserve. Because Pat Mahomes is not only the most talented, he's in the perfect situation. All the variables fit him perfectly, and it's not the same way with them. Because with Deshaun, you got Bill, and with Dak, we don't know how great he really is. And, and I, I think that that might be – I think that's understood. I honestly think that everybody's kind of clear that you're probably not going to get Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes-type money. Um, because, again, he's, he's that talented and he's that special. So, to me – I think it was kind of a no-brainer for the Chiefs to do it. Um, we'll see down the road how it affects what they can do. But when you have somebody that special in a league it, with that that basically the most important position of all of sports, um, when you have somebody that special, that's how did you just lock them down? Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs said, "Shit, we're just going to give you ten years." Um, and I, I, I mean, that had to be surprising to, to Mahomes in his eight. I mean, that's an aggressively long deal. Um, and it's just it, it's again. I'm just shocked at the the length of the deal, but, but it is crazy hey, to man, think about. Yeah, it, but hey, good for Patrick Mahomes. Good for the Chiefs. They're fresh off a of Super Bowl. We'll see what happens coming forward. But there's no doubt that uh, that there's no more talented quarterback in uh, in the NFL than that guy. So with that being said, of the quarterbacks coming up here in the future, you got 
Lamar Jackson, MVP last year, who we'll talk about more later when we talk about our AFC North preview, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, uh, maybe a Sam Darnold if he turns things around, maybe a Baker Mayfield if he gets back to where he was in his rookie year. Of these guys, who do you think becomes the closest as far as money total over the and years? Who comes the closest to a Pat Mahomes contract? We would think it would be Lamar Jackson, but I honestly think it's Deshaun Watson. Because, mm-hmm. shit, think of what Bill O'Brien did. Would you be surprised if they gave him something crazy? I mean, listen, Deshaun Watson's worthy of a fantastic deal. He's one of, of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, I think Dax, of course, eventually going to get get his. But Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, will be getting the most. I mean, Lamar Jackson, if he continues, Lamar Jackson continues on the trajectory he's at right now. Um then, then we can certainly look back at the discussion. I don't appreciate any Lions highlights. If you can keep those out, I would appreciate that. My bad. Um, it's so, but no, I, I think, I think, if, of course, if Lamar Jackson continues on this trajectory, but I think Deshaun Watson has had as what two more years to prove exactly mm-hmm. who he is, um, and we'll we'll see moving forward. But that would be my pick. Who you take? I'm gonna go with Deshaun Watson as well because you've got crazy Bill running his used car lot over there with his crazy deals at any time. You never know what he's going to do. He's a GM. He is the czar of football there for Houston. And with Lamar, still, they've got an offense built around him. If he improves as a thrower, if he continues to do that, I mean, he was really good last year in a lot of games against work teams when it came to throwing. But those legs, I mean, ran for 1,200 yards. I mean, what's it going to come down to? How good is he really going to be if those legs start to slow down on him, if he ends up getting a knee injury? I mean, that's where I really question what Lamar will get. I think he's going to get paid. I think they'll give him a solid contract, but I think Deshaun is the guy, and then probably Lamar, and then probably Dak at this point. I think it's a safer pick. I mean, yeah. I really do. I mean, in my opinion, because Deshaun Watson, however, can use his legs. Deshaun Watson, I believe, takes less hits, although mm-hmm. Houston's offensive line at times has just been atrocious. Um, because nobody really knows what the hell Bill O'Brien's doing down there. And, um, and so, but yeah, I, I expect Sean Watson to get paid, but he's got a lot to prove this year, you know, without having new Hopkins on the, on the outside, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see what that looks like. Yeah. Deshaun takes less violent hits. I feel like, because he takes a lot of hits in the pocket, but his are hits a quarterback's used to Lamar's taking hits out of the pocket, running down the sideline and getting crushed because he's a runner most of the time. So I'm totally with you on that. Absolutely. And that is the good news. And now when we talk stupid NFL things, new stupid NFL rule after games, you know, players love to exchange jerseys and hug and hand pound and go through. And now the NFL says after the game, that is not allowed. So after these guys have been tackling each other, breathing on each other, spitting on each other, drooling on each other, whatever, body fluid, flying out of whatever helmet you're wearing. After the game, after that 60 minutes, you're not allowed to be in contact with another team's player. This is the stupidest thing you've ever heard. I mean, yeah, but I mean, listen, the NFL's had four months to come up with like a safety protocol plan. And Mm. this is the first thing they came up (laughs) with. And it's like, shit, man. Um, listen, it's stupid. Of course it's stupid, but so is the damn trading Jersey things at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, come on. If you're going to, if you're going to let them go play and just basically be on top of each other for, for 60 minutes, um, but you won't allow anything after the game, uh, it just seems stupid, but, but I, I mean, the NFL is kind of what they do. Uh, it doesn't. I, I just think it's hilarious that they that they thought that they could come out and say some stuff like that, and people would just be like, "Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea." Like, no, like what the, like it, they, they it sometimes they just seem to kind of lose sight of what they're doing. Um, again, it's dumb. It'll change. It'll change. It definitely needs to because this is basically the NFL coming out and saying, "Hey, look how much we care. We don't want our players, you know, to get sick." We don't want them to breathe on each other after they've done it for the 60 minutes that makes us money. Correct. It's ridiculous. It's we just say that about the NFL all the time. In the way every they- week. Every week it's really about what makes them money. And speaking of making money, we're going to move on because we don't need to talk about that topic because it's just stupid. Raheem Mostert. 
Mostert is due $2.5 million this year, 2.875 next year as part of a three-year deal he signed with the 49ers. And now he wants out because, according to his agent Brent Tesler, after months of unproductive talks on adjustments, he wants to be out of there. This guy just signed a three-year deal last year. He's now the fourth highest paid running back on the Niners behind Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Kyle Juszczyk. And, I mean, when you look at who the Niners have, they've got Coleman, they've got Wilson, and what's left of Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played in, what, two years because of knee injuries? So, yeah, traded Matt Breida. They did. They traded Matt Breida to the Dolphins after they couldn't come up to a contract extension with him. And now it's Raheem Mostert, who ran for 772 yards last year and 10 scores. Is this just a dude who is like, hey, you know what? I outplayed my contract, or is this just shut up and play? Uh, it's so it's hard because what he's asking for is somewhat around Tevin Coleman money. Mm. So it's not like he's necessarily asking for the bank. Like he ain't, you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, he's not on, let's not act like his, con- I mean, two, a $2.5 million contract for a running back is not terrible. No, um, not in this day and age. And he's also going to, to get the ball quite a bit. I think at this point, his best thing would be to to just come out and have a year. And then next year, you can turn around and ask for Tevin Coleman money, or you can go from there, in my yeah. opinion. Because right now, to me, yes, you had a nice season, but you are a, you're, you're a Cinderella story at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that he's gotten into the league and, and the rosters he's been cut from. Um, and, and so for me, it, I think he's the timing might not be great. Um but he's going to be featured. He's got an opportunity to play really well, just like he did last year, especially with Matt Breida, who got a significant amount of touches there last year. Mm-hmm. It's going to feature Tevin Coleman, and it's going to feature <clears> – gosh, God. No, excuse me, Ricky Moster. Ricky Moster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, just just take your opportunity to go out there and play. Um but again, I don't think what he's asking for is crazy. But you just signed the, the the thing is you just signed the extension last year. Okay, so the the 49ers organization and John Lynch is not going to feel sorry for you whatsoever based off of of you just signing this contract. And I'm with you on that. And you look at what he did. Yeah, 772 yards is nice. But you said it. Last year, he signed that deal because he's bounced around the NFL. He was on the practice squad with the Cleveland Browns. Couldn't make that squad, or they just don't know how to engage talent, which is a Browns thing to do. But this guy comes in. (laughs) He has a really solid year. 772 yards, nothing to sneeze at. But the 10 scores, obviously he had a nose for the end zone. The thing is, you've already hit on it, is this is a running back-friendly offense, and he's going to get a better chance this year from the start to really do big things. So if you just play out for your 2.5 million this year, then next year they may sign you to a bigger extension and you're going to make your money at that point because you signed this deal knowing that you'd bounce around the NFL and you wanted some security. I understand that. And yes, you've probably outplayed this contract or probably will outplay at some point, but you just signed this deal. Let's see how you do this year. And at, one year and at one the day. same time too, if, if you're the Niners, you gave this kid the opportunity you know, you gave him an opportunity to play, and yes, he excelled. But like the fact that he just signed this contract again, you you're like, listen, because again, two million dollars. I know it's not a lot, but for running backs in this league, they're a diamond. I mean, they're it's not like they're a dime a dozen. I mean, you can you can find running backs pretty much anywhere. I mean, yes, there's elite ones, um, but you can't just sign this contract and then and then a year later come back and say this is what I want, especially when you have the opportunity to really prove yourself. And actually get a deal. You can get a better than Tevin Coleman deal if, if you show out this year. And, and it may not be with the 49ers, maybe elsewhere. But but at the same time, I, I just think it's it's a bad look for you to have. Yes, you had 10 touchdowns, but you, you, you have one good season when you haven't even had the opportunity to be on a squad and get the ball. For you to be asking for this now, it just seems a little early in my opinion. I'm with you 100% on that. Hold on. Play this year. And if you want to talk about guys who really haven't proven anything and they want to trade, let's talk about a Cleveland Browns player who now also wants out, and that's tight end David Njoku, 6'4", 247-pound, 24-year-old tight end with all the skills to be a really good tight end, but has never really put it together. 
And now this guy, when you finally have a chance to play in a good offense, decides that he wants out. According to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, a dumb agent who loves to make dumb trade requests with all of his guys or ask for too much money, but usually gets the job done. He's got this chance, Njoku, to actually be in an offense where he can put up numbers, whether he's a starter or not. It's a tight end friendly offense. He's proven nothing so far in the league. He's got 93 catches for 1,066 yards and nine scores in three years. And this is after being a first-round pick. And I'm not expecting huge numbers out of him because we've talked about on the show many times that tight ends usually take a year or two to really develop. And now this guy, after a five-catch, 41 receiving yard, one-score campaign from last season, decides he wants to be traded. He has no – just go ahead because I'm just going to yeah. continue ranting. No, Go ahead. you can't. Okay, I get your point, but don't don't throw up his stats from last season because that's not relevant. It's not relevant. First of and all, he was injured. Second he, of all, Freddie Kitchens hated. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the fact he even scored a touchdown, you actually think he deserves credit. But no, yeah, he, 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 he has he has nothing to stand on here. Drew Rosenhaus, although is a pesty little annoying bug. He's one of the better agents out there. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, David Joku coming out, is, I mean, and still is, is a freak. It just happened to be that. And this, I believe, was <laughs> one touchdown. Pushed into the end zone for those of you watching or listening on yeah. the audio version. I mean, listen, he has all the talent in the world. Um, you're right. Kevin Stefanski, he comes in. He loves to run two tight end sets mm-hmm. um, with the addition of Austin Hooper. I think that this was setting up for 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 David and Joku to have a really nice year potentially in that offense. Um, I don't personally think the Browns should proactively try to trade the guy. Um, well, again, like you said, who the hell are you, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, like, listen, the talent speaks for itself. The numbers speak for themselves. The numbers aren't speaking with what the talent spe- says. So, what 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 leg do you have to stand on and tell us that you're demanding a trade? Because the thing is, from the Browns' standpoint. They're not going to get shit for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll get they'll get a fourth or a fifth round pick, maybe, but but they're not going to get. I mean, because what again? What has he proven? He has no track record. I think if you're the Browns here, you you just say, hey, listen, bud, you, you, sorry you feel that way. Um, we're not going to trade you because we think you're an asset to the team, and and I think he certainly can be, but but he needs to get his head off his ass clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no reason the Browns should try to move him. And getting a fifth, maybe if they traded him to Green Bay, is possible. I mean, you're not getting a lot for him. There's people, you know, on Twitter like, oh, trade him for a good linebacker, Browns need linebackers. You're not going to get anyone worth a damn. And then there's the people like, trade him for Jamal Adams. You're insane. David Njoku has zero trade value. He was. Jamal Adams? Yeah, it's insane. Browns Twitter is amazing. We all have Dreamer Twitterverse, which is absolutely bonkers. But. This is a kid who's got tons of talent. You said it. And, yeah, the Browns drafted Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic in the fourth round of this year's draft. But we've said it on the show, and I just said it two seconds ago. Tight ends take a while to develop. So this kid, he could be helpful sometime this season. But for now, even with Austin Hooper and the big money he got, and Joku's going to be on the field a lot of the time. And if he works just a little bit, he's going to get open, and then you need Baker Mayfield to be able to find him. And to be fair, I did say that his numbers last year were terrible, but to be 100% fair on that, <laughs> Baker Mayfield hung him out to dry and damn near got the guy killed in the Jets game when he broke his wrist. So it's not 100% fair to bring that up because a lot of that was Baker's fault. You were just, you were just going on a rant about Njoku. Yeah. Oh, now he's, he's getting it. And yeah, I, I had to bring it back. But Njoku, <laughs> listen, Chief Njoku, you got talent. You were drafted two picks ahead of TJ Watt, which still eats at me to this day. You need to shut your mouth. Yeah, we can play the draft game all day. Shut your mouth. Get on the field. Play. You got a fourth year this year, fifth-year option, which can be picked up for pretty decent money for a first-round pick. And then after that, do whatever you want. But catch the ball. Get consistent. Show a team you can do something. And then the Browns will probably deal you because you can get something back. But for now, they're not going to get anything. It's not worth dealing him. Stop hovering. And now I'm done with my <laughs> Ram and David and Joku. So basically what we've said is both guys need to just play, play out, 
You're I mean, good I just money. don't think they have the gr- the ground to stand on. No. Now Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams can stand on some ground because Absolutely. Jamal Adams is a stud. Now these guys, again, unproven guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm all about getting getting the money, dude. Trust me, and especially in the NFL, I'm I'm about yeah. getting the money. But but there's a time and place, and I don't think it's right now. And I'm with you on that. And now before we move on to our AFC North preview and talk about our sponsors. Last week, we talked about the top five quarterbacks in the AFC, which wasn't a very good list because quarterback play in the N- or AFC is not very good. And I keep wanting to say NFC at this point. Now, this week, we are moving on to our top five running backs in the AFC by the end of the 2020 season. And to start off, we will go with Mr. Drew Ward and his top five. Who you got, brother? Le'Veon Bell at five. Okay. Listen, the Jets are a dumpster fire. The coach hates the guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, Le'Veon Bell, he stepped away for a year. I think some of the year was getting his feet underneath him again, taking some hits again. Um, but let's not act like like Anthony Gase. <laughs> Anthony Gase. <laughs> Adam Gase, oh, baby. The Adam Gase. Oh, so yeah. So let's not act like Adam Gase did him any favors. I, but I still think he's talented in the ability for him to uh, to also catch the ball out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think he warrants being a number five. I'm with you. And, um, number four, I'm gonna go with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, um, kind of been held hostage in Cincinnati as of right now. Um, yeah, it was banged up a little last year. Although I just love the way the kid runs. That offense was sputtering. They had no weapons. Their quarterback position was terrible. The whole team's a dumpster fire. I think uh I think he kind of gets back on track this year. Um I love I love everything about the way he runs the football, Joe Mixon. And um and I think he has a better year than he did last year. I will put him at uh at number four. Number three, I'm gonna go with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. I actually think that Josh Jacobs is probably ascending on this list more than anybody. Um, I think, yeah, there's Josh Jacobs. See, Matt Graydon gets it. Um, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's really good, and I think he's, he's a guy that you can feed the ball, uh, you know, 25 times a game, and he's just going to be featured because that's how that offense is going to work. And I know Gruden's going to run the ball through him. Um, but I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to put Josh Jacobs over either of the top two guys, which number two, I have Nick Chubb. Um, I mean, in, in a, in a year where Cleveland had such high expectations and things like that, the fact that Nick Chubb came out and just was a silent assassin, really running the football again with, with an offense that was sputtering and, and, and a team that really couldn't move the ball through the air with any consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to go with Derrick Henry at one, in my opinion. I mean, Jimmy Chet, he's big. He's good. I mean, he, he carries the ball 30 times. Um, he's not – it's weird because you look at this list, and this list, you know, Nick Chubb has the ability to be truck guy. I mean, but but Derrick Henry is literally just a, just a guy, a big fella – that uh that can move the ball and they they give him touches. So I I think as as far as I think as far as the top three goes, I mean we could sit back here next next year and, and see Josh Jacobs in the top two. Mm-hmm. But uh but I mean it, an honorable mention would be Leonard Fournette. Um however Leonard Fournette's yard per carry is not great. Um but again it's a dumpster fire down there in Jacksonville, but Leonard Fournette's also just a dick um, in general. So, so that's why he couldn't make crack my top five. I mean, Leonard's good for averaging on his first 15 carries 1.6 yards and breaking one off for 80 and just trucking defenses. Now, Leonard Fournette does not make my top five, and I'm actually going to give you six because I have a specialty player in there. At six, I have Le'Veon Bell. The guy's still got talent, and I'm hoping he bounces back this year for the Jets. Number five, I got Josh Jacobs, and I think Josh Jacobs, definitely, I'm with you, could totally climb this list. At four, Joe Mixon. And then at number three is my specialty player, Lamar Jackson. 
Now, yes, he's a quarterback. He's in the top five quarterbacks, but a guy who runs for 1,206 yards and is going to take off with the ball more times than some of these other running backs, I had to add him to the list. And now the top two, I'm with you on the same top two. And, yes, free Lenny from Jacksonville. <laughs> free Lenny from Jacksonville. Dude, <laughs> Lenny, I just think he's a lazy-ass dude. Like He can you know, be, absolutely. I, but, I mean, so I, you could send him anywhere. I mean, I don't know. We've we've talked about it in about two weeks here. We'll talk about Jacksonville again and how we feel about that team not knowing what they're doing. That plan makes no sense. Now to my number two, I've got Derrick Henry. I like Derrick Henry. Big guy. Absolutely plows over. And, yes, I'm going with the homer pick. The number one running back who should have led the league last year in rushing if it wasn't for Freddie Kitchens holding his Denny's menu and calling for the grand slam rather than the halfback sweep. Nick Chubb is going to be the best running back in the AFC and possibly in the entire NFL by the end of the 2020 season, which will bring up a lot of issues for the Cleveland Browns because they're going to have to decide whether to pay the man. And with that being said, let's take a second to thank our sponsors. So if you look at the bottom of the screen here, you'll see that at the bottom we have our full coverage football show, fb.me backslash FCFS pod. Now that is us. That's where you find the show live. And if you're listening on the audio version, that's fb.me backslash FCFS pod. And yes, you can also find the show on Anchor, on YouTube, on iHeart, Spotify, wherever. We're all over the place at this point. And yeah, we have taken it global. We are 97% of our listeners are coming in from the United States, 1% from Great Britain, 1% from Sweden, and 1% since I actually said percent right that time, from Ireland, we are taking it global. But if you'd like to be a sponsor, hit us up on our Facebook page. Join in this, where you can see our sponsors scrolling across the bottom of your screen or where we're going to talk about them now. Check out our sponsors, Manhattan Deli Menor. That's 440-974-0055. Concealed Carry Firearms Training, 440-391-4118. And Kitty Cove Daycare at Kitty Cove OH on Facebook. Check out our sponsors. Thank them and check them out. And now before we move on to our AFC North preview, we're going to go to a comment here. And yeah, Austin Eckler is definitely a guy who could crack that top six or seven, but they don't have a quarterback going into this year. So when I think about it, by the end of the 2020 season, how good is he going to be with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert? I'm not... 100% 100% he's going to be better than any of the guys we've already mentioned, even though I top, think he's a really top good ten. He's top 10, though. I mean, Eckler probably can crack the top five if he gets any help from his quarterback play. But this is also his first year as a full-time runner. Where he's got yep. the official job because last year you knew Melvin Gordon would eventually be back. And Melvin Gordon saw what he was doing and said, I got to get my ass off the couch and get back. Austin Eckler did, however, take – tremendous opportunity with with or you know he he took that opportunity he was given um with melvin gordon and holding out and he was spectacular Mm -hmm. i mean he really was 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 single-handedly trying to 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 bring that team to wins and yes they had a rough season but yeah austin eckler was fantastic and and you're right i think he encouraged melvin gordon to get off the couch because absolutely because austin eckler was showing out (laughs) And that was with Philip Rivers, which helped. But now he's got, I just, I still do not like Justin Herbert. I'm trying to get on board Herbert. We'll talk about more of that. I believe next week we're doing the AFC West. We'll talk more about that there. But for this week, it is the AFC North 2020 preview. And we will begin with the bottom of the AFC North. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Two and 14 last year, but this is a totally different squad. It's out with the old Andy Dalton gone, Tyler Eifert gone. You've moved on from the Vontez Burfix. You've moved on from the Pac-Man Jones. You've moved on from the Marvin Lewis squads, and you're finally moving into a younger team here that is going to be highlighted by young head coach and Zach Taylor in his second year and the addition of Joe Burrow. You've brought in young guys like Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, Sean Williams, who led your team in tackles last year. The Bengals also were led in receptions and yards by Tyler Boyd. 
90 catches, 1,046 yards, five scores, and the aforementioned Joe Mixon, who ran for 1,137 yards last year. Now, they still do have A.J. Green, who they franchised, and they have less than a week to sign him to a long-term deal, which at this point I do not see happening. It's not going to happen. So he's basically going to play out this year. But when you look at the weapons here. I don't think the Bengals should, by the way. I don't think the Bengals should. I'm with you. And they shouldn't because of the injury history there. And you're not sure what the guy still has as he's getting older. So you've lost Dalton. You've lost Eifert. You've moved on. You brought in Trey Waynes, Von Bell, some veteran safeties, veteran secondary guys. They're okay. But really what this is about this year is one man, and it's the man in the Queen City. It is Joe Burrow. Last year at LSU, 60 touchdowns, six picks. 5,671 yards and a 76% completion rate. Absolutely bonker numbers, no matter what you're playing. Every, this time is I like, hear it. Every time I hear it, I just... These are like the numbers you saw Colt Brennan put up at Hawaii. But this was the guy in the toughest division in college football. Burrow, absolute stud, number one overall pick. He's going to start day one. What are you looking for from the Bengals this year? Uh, just, just taking a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, this team's not built to win yet. I mean, yes, you mentioned they've made a bunch of, it seems like they're, they're starting to turn the page. They're starting to bring in new life. Um, Trey Wayne's is trash. I mean, yes. I mean, they, they signed a couple big 10 guys, which is fine. Like, listen, yes, Joe Burrow's the guy, right? T Higgins is a nice addition to add. You, you like, I like the idea of, of course, of AJ Green and with his ability to stretch the field, and just his ability to be that that X guy. Um, but you also think that, that that would free things up for Tyler Boyd. But you look for Joe Mixon to again. You know, you, Joe Mixon ran for a thousand yards last year, and, and you think of how bad that situation was mm-hmm. down there. Um, but don't expect Joe Burrow to just step right in here because this roster is not built to win yet. Um, I don't, I mean, I expect them to be better. I expect, listen, Joe Burrow is going to be a nice player in my opinion. Um, they're going to have to get him more help over time. You can't flip a roster around like this overnight. Um, but again, I, I, you know, I think they're still going to finish in my opinion, last in this division. Um, I would think, what were they last year? Two and 14, two and 14. I'd put them at five and 11. Mm-hmm. And in and, and, and five and eleven might not sound great, but if you see things from Joe Burrow and you see things, you know, as far as that offense overall, um, you have to be at least a little excited about that. And I think even going five and eleven, if you see some of those things, you can you can be okay with that and know I you you load up on more talent and then you know twenty twenty two or twenty one, whatever the hell year we're even in anymore, um, might look a little brighter for you and you might, you know, hopefully look to, 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 you know, finish over 500. When you look at this roster on paper, they've got solid weapons. They've got a young quarterback who he's going to struggle, obviously, when he comes in. You don't know what he's going to be off the bat. He's got a learning curve, and it's going to be a weird offseason. I mean, you're not really in training camp normal. You're not going to be in preseason games normal, possibly playing zero preseason games. But you have weapons around him. You've got the mixing. You've got John Ross. You've got T. Higgins. You've got Tyler Boyd, you've got A.J. Green. You've got guys he can get the ball to. But what really worries me when I look at this roster, and, yeah, they were 31st in defense last year, but that defense doesn't worry me. I think Sam Hubbard's coming on. I think Logan Wilson and Sean Williams are going to play well together. The secondary is eh at best, but at Gino best. Atkins is still there. I mean, Gino. there's, some, there's Gino. some solid pieces here on both sides of the ball. But where you win in the NFL is up front. That defensive line is okay, but that offensive line, huge question mark. You got Bobby Hart who started at right tackle who probably couldn't block me, and I'm not going to knock anybody off their feet in the NFL for the most part because I can barely move half the time. And but, you have a rookie – you got a rookie – I mean, you got a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And you got a guy in you your left tackle – David Carr situation here. Exactly (laughs) what it is. You don't want him to get hit and get in his head because then as soon as he hears footsteps, he's getting rid of that football too soon and making mistakes. You have to figure out this offensive line. If the Bengals are going to do anything anytime soon, figure out the offensive line. Yeah, they've got their rookie left tackle coming in who high pick. 
but he's Alabama. He was injured last year. What has he got coming off the injury? How good is he going to be coming off an injury and starting for the first time in the NFL? Rookie left tackle, you don't always know what you're going to get. So for the Bengals, their over-under is 5.5. You have them at 5-11. and 11. I'm also going to go with the under. I think they're a four to six win team in the five and a half sticks. You're right there. And this is all dependent on what you can get out of Joe Burrow. But the weapons are there in the Zach Taylor offense that he wants to run in the style of the Rams that he learned under the boy genius and Sean McVay. He's got the shot. He's got the weapons to do it. They just need to block. Did you just bring up Jeff Fisher? No, Sean McVay. Not the oh. Not, no, not that genius. I mean, not the eight and eight genius. Hey, I would take eight and eight right now. Give me Jeff Fisher, baby. No, if you're the Bengals, anyone gets you eight wins. It's Jeff Fisher. Yeah, the Bengals, they've got a chance. And this division, the problem for them is the division. It's because juggernaut. It's a very, very good division. Correct. So I'm going to go with your five and eleven. I really like that number. We'll both go with the under. But the Bengals are going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Let's hope Joe Burrow can do something because I really like Joe Burrow as a kid. And he just announced today that he's got a partnership with the Athens Food Bank. Good kid doing good things in that area, staying hometown. So now we'll move on to the third place team in the AFC North, the 6-10 and 10 Cleveland Browns. And the Browns Jordan. always – Always better. They were the darlings last year. On paper, this was a team that everyone was in love with. They added Odell Beckham Jr. People freaked out. You had the swag. You had the John Dorsey sweatshirts and the Dad Force One Browns shoes. Everyone was big into John Dorsey. Freddie Kitchens was the man because him and Baker loved each other. And he was that guy that you would love to sit at the bar and have a drink with. But when it came down to football and getting it done on the field, well, it just didn't work quite out for Fred right there, did it? Because like I said earlier, he was reading Denny's menus instead of playbooks. And the Browns sucked last year because they are always better on paper than they are on the field. But this year, once again, there's hope by the shores of Lake Erie. They have added Jack Conklin. They have added Jedrick Willis, Austin Hooper, Andrew Billings, Grant Delpit. And once again, as we say every year with the Browns, a brand new head coach and GM in Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. This team has all the tools to be really, really good, but it's all going to be on the shoulders of one player, and that player is number six, the guy under center, Baker Mayfield. Now, is I'll go to you for this part. Is Baker Mayfield going to bounce back in 2020? after a turnover fantastic 2019 season he better damn right um, he, better. he better his job's on the line um here's the deal man i think he's gonna be better um i think i, I mean even him even baker himself has said you know maybe he didn't take things you know as seriously should last year you're right the team was last year people thought they were going to be great and, and I think both you and I sat back and said, we well, you know, anytime you ever say the Lions, the Browns are going to be great. They're probably not going to be great because they're never been great. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, listen, it, it, the team's done all the right things. They've tried to show up the offensive line. Um, you go out, you get Jack Conklin, you draft a tackle in the first round. Um, you, you love what they have offensively. You, you know they're going to run a different kind of offense. Um, I think you have a different kind of head coach. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think the challenge with me with Cleveland um, is a new coach, new GM. You know, uh, it, of course, Cleveland turns over their roster like any team that you've ever seen because that's, you know, they call for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you don't have training. You don't have these – the ability to be together and necessarily practice in preseason and things like this that you normally would to really get the young guys in there, the free agents in there, the new the new acquisitions in there. And I think that that's important. Um, but I think that as far as offensively goes, you still, if you're Baker Mayfield, you really got only one new weapon in Austin Hooper. 
you know, there should be some chemistry there with, with OBJ and Jarvis and Higgins and, and, you know, Kareem Hunt, things like that. That should be there already. You add Austin Hooper. That's pretty much the only main difference you're going to see in the starting lineup potentially. Um, but again, you worry about throwing in a new scheme, throwing in a new playbook and what they're trying to do. And, and, and yes, guys are watching film and doing things, but it's different to be hands-on. Um, and I think it's it's tough for, for young coaches and, and rookie coaches and, and, and really even rookies in general. I think they're, it's going to be difficult for because, you know, these guys aren't getting the reps mm-hmm. with coaching and with, you know, in doing, you know, drills and things like that, that they normally would. So to me, it'll be very interesting to see to how long of a curve it is for, for the rookies. But, but that's what, for me, concerns me with the Browns. I expect Baker to be better in my opinion. Um, I'm going to let you give your, your, your record and everything first. Cause I look forward to it. I think everybody does. I mean, let, you can rant about him some more if you want. <laughs> Baker has to be the key. When you look at what the Browns have, if you look at the top five, if you're starting, you're going basketball with a starting five, when you can go out there with your skill position players being Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, Baker Mayfield has no reason not to be better this year. David Njoku. David Njoku, who should be on the roster, who you're going to play two tight end sets. When you're going out there with two tight end sets and you've got Landry and Beckham, and Joku and Hooper, Chubb or Hunt, I mean, your ability to do whatever you want on offense, it's its amazing what they can do. And they finally did things the right way. And what I said with the Bengals is you have to shore up the offensive line. The Browns last year, they lost Joe Thomas, and they tried to keep Greg Robinson there for a second year. And Greg Robinson had more important things to take care of, like running drugs for a cartel, apparently. You had Chris Hubbard playing right tackle, who was basically a turnstile. Nice guy, great dude, great human being, average tackle. But what it's going to allow him to do this year is be a swing guy, which is what he's best at, because now you have Jack Conklin at right tackle. You're going to hope Jedrick Wills can step in at left tackle as a rookie, and I talked about with the Bengals. You don't know what you're going to get necessarily. But then you have Joel Batonio at left guard, who is a perennial all-pro, J.C. Treader one of the better centers in the league. And now where you're really worried is your right guard spot. But at right guard, you have a shot that you can play Chris Hubbard there if you want. You can play Wyatt Teller, who the Browns got from the Bills for a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick in training camp last year. Drew Forbes, who was a sixth-round pick and showed promise at guard. Or you drafted Nick Harris, a center out of Washington in the fifth round, who can also play guard. Your right guard spot should be shored up by the time this season starts. And where you said they're not going to get the reps on the field a lot, that's going to struggle with the right guard spot. It may take two or three games before you really figure out what you got there. But needless to say, this offensive line is 100% improved. So as far as the offense, there is no reason why this team shouldn't put up points. You have an offensive-minded head coach who has built offenses and made Kirk Cousins look really, really good and almost worth the money he got the past few seasons. On defense, you've got Miles Garrett coming back who is possibly the best defensive end in football. Olivier Vernon, when healthy, is really good. Your linebackers play is the weakest part of the squad, but it's dependent on how good. Young, though. It is. It's young. But if Mac Wilson takes a step forward and Sione Takitaki, which is just fun to say, if he steps up, you're not worried there. you got Greedy Williams, who needs to get better. You've got Denzel Ward, who needs to prove his rookie season was as good as we thought he's going to be because he was kind of off at times last year. And then in your secondary, you've got Grant Delpit, who a lot of people thought was a top 20 pick. A lot of young guys in that defense, but a lot of ability there. So this team has all the chances to be really good. And it's going to come down to what you get out of Baker Mayfield and how much a rookie head coach can teach in a weird, thrown off, not normal offseason. And the Browns over-under is eight. And it just means Vegas knows exactly where to go because this team – they should be 10 and 6. Should be. That's how good they are. They should be 10 and 6, 11 and 5. But because it's the Browns and because you never know what you're going to get, because they are the life is a life or a box of chocolates thing, you never know what you're going to get from this team. I don't know if I can go over. I'm, I can't go under at 7 and 9. I want to push, but I'm not going to be a pussy about it. So I'm going to say the Browns will get over and they will be a 9 and 7 team. 
and that was really hard to do. Give me your prediction. Um, well, just a, I think Jack Conklin is a plug-and-play fantastic right tackle, by the way. Um, and before you go any further on that, I want to say something to Cleveland fans. Conklin, really good run blocker, not great pass blocker. He's going to give up sacks. Don't start hating on the guy because he's not Mitchell Schwartz, who you guys let walk out the door. But go ahead. <laughs> I uh, I think at times that secondary – well, those corners can be soft. I think they, <laughs> they, they, they can be soft. I do like Grant Delpit. Um, I – it's funny, you know. It, it is funny. Uh, eight and eight. I, I will take the over as well. I, I honestly have nine and seven written down for the Browns. <laughs> is my uh, is my prediction. Um, I wanted to go ten and six. I did. I just uh, you can't because it's the damn Browns. Well, and the division's just difficult. I mean, it is to play mm -hmm. to to play. You know, Ben Roethlisberger back. Um, Although they played Baltimore well last year, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with nine and seven as well. The fact that we both went five and we didn't talk about this before the show at all. It was five and eleven, nine and seven. Um, so yeah, I got the Browns going from six and ten to, to nine and seven. I and and listen, if they go nine and seven and Baker Mayfield plays better, then then I think that's somewhat promising. If they don't, then then we're back to the lab. You know, they're back to the lab. Because if Baker Mayfield plays like he did last year, they're going to be looking to uh, to to find somebody to at least come in to uh, – I mean, or the shit case can if we come in. Who knows? Listen, if Baker is interception prone and turnover prone and staring down receivers or trying to force it to OBJ, which was a big thing he tried to do last year, if that's the way he plays, Case Keenum will be starting by week eight. Because you can't win football games when your quarterback is giving the ball to the other team. You don't win it playing that way. That's why Jeff George failed out of the league. That's why Jay Cutler struggled. I mean, Jameis Winston signed a $5 million deal to be a backup. Hey, bro, he got LASIK, though, bro. Don't, come he on, did. man. I mean, he can see better now, and he can tell where he's thrown. So when he does get a chance, it's going to be really good. But it's just the Browns, man. It's it's hard. I really – I mean, the fan in me says this is a 14-2 team because that's what I want to see. But – the realist in me, the guy who's covered the team since 2010, like I have had hope every year. I mean, and they just haven't done it, but nine and seven is feasible. Yes. You hit it. It's a tough division and it's really weird off season. You got to stick with Stefanski going into hopefully next season too, but oh, I'll get they, fired. New GM. <laughs> I, mean, Andy, I mean, enough. We've learned from this, but I mean, just stick with it. Baker is the key to this team this year. That's all it is. You're only going to be as good as Baker Mayfield lets you be because you've got all the options around him, unbelievable weapons. And now we'll move on to the division rival. The last matchup between these two teams was an absolute shit show. The eight and eight Pittsburgh Steelers. And as their biggest addition this year, I wrote Ben Roethlisberger because Without Ben, they were terrible last year, led by Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. They also added Eric Ebron, your favorite tight end. Alex Highsmith in the draft. I'm falling a key addition. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, they need tight end help. Vance McDonald was a one-year wonder, but they lost Javen Hargrave on the defense, and that's a big loss in the center of their defense. What do you expect from the Steelers this year? Better. They're going to be a playoff team. Um but I, you said it. I mean, without Ben Roethlisberger, with all respected Duck Hodges, um, it, it was just the offense was terrible. I mean, they they had they were they were one dimensional when when James Conner was even nicked up. When James mm -hmm. Conner was nicked up, they were even just they were no dimensional. Um, Juju Smith struggled to, to be the guy on the outside and, and because really the inability to give him the football. I think once they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, the defense split and the defense is, was good. Um, and and I like that. Look, that Minka Fitzpatrick trade looks good now. Everybody, everybody thought it was dumb. Um, for, for me personally, I, I like Pittsburgh this year. I mean, I don't love them, but I like them. Um, to give my prediction for, for Pittsburgh would be to finish second in the division at 10 and six. 
Their over-under is nine and a half. So you're right over there. Give you the over on that. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh last year. That team had no business being eight and eight after Ben Roethlisberger went down. I mean, Mason Rudolph is not good, and that's putting it nicely. Make Duck, a trade. Duck Hodges, I mean, Duck Hodges, he won games with Duck Hodges. I know. And he couldn't throw the ball. Like, he was Tim Tebow, 47% completion percentage hey. bad at times. Like, hey. he, he was bad, but he did things they needed to win. Like, he got the job done. That man is and, a family. And this is just to prove that Mike Tomlin is one hell of a football coach. I agree with that. And he, he'll trip a person if he has to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, 100% he will. <laughs> he does whatever it is to win the game. You play to win the game. But you look at this team, like the running back, James Conner, was he a one-year wonder or is he going to be a good running back? Like, is he a top 10 running back in the AFC? Because after him, you've got Jalen Samuels, who was solid in spurts, but then you got Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland, who's a rookie this year. You look at tight end, Vance McDonald's really good for a stretch in 2018. Absolutely disappeared in 2019. And now you bring in Eric Ebron, who had one good season with Andrew Luck and has been absolutely brick-hand trash for most of his career otherwise. And you know that as a Lions fan. I do. So, Colts, Colts fan knows. Yeah. Colts fans know. They, they actually saw last put, year. On the team, put on the team last year. Remember? Absolutely did. So, yeah, so to, to, to hell with that guy. So what are you getting from that guy? And, I mean, you look at their offense. The weapons really aren't there, but this team does something better than any other team in the NFL, and that's develop wide receivers. And at wide receiver, Deontay Johnson started to come on at the end of last year, the speedster out of Toledo. Juju, maybe with the help of Deontay Johnson, can start to really put it together and be the number one. James Washington came on. And then you added Chase Claypool, who – 6'5", 240-pound, 4'2", 4'3", speed freak. If any team's going to get the most out of this guy who can probably be a receiving tight end at some point in his career if he puts on some pounds, it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they don't have great weapons, but they manage to do pretty well with the weapons they have. And as far as defense, you've got Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. You're set up there. You've also got other great players on the team. I mean – they always seem to put out corners who can just get the job done. And I'm going to go with you. I'm going on the over with this. They're going to be a 10 and six football team. And We're just picking the Both of us have the same thing. I mean, right. I mean, Baltimore may be the different difference for us here. We'll see. But I mean, you look at this Ross, I can't go against, it's like where I want to say the Browns are going to be better. If the Browns were coached by Mike Tomlin, I think they're a 13 win team, but they're not. Mike Tomlin, regardless of what's on this roster and regardless of what weapons they really have, Mike Tomlin gets the most out of every single football player, 1-53, to 53, better than almost any coach in the NFL. And for the record, I think, I think that that Ebron will have a decent year just because I think that, that Roethlisberger can find his tight ends. I think that – that uh, Roethlisberger is certainly a quarterback that will be able to. Uh, what are you? All right, all right. I mean, there's a joke in there. I know, no, 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 I was glossing over it. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I, I, I think Ebron will have a decent year. I don't think he'll be terrible. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think ten and six. I don't, I don't consider them a threat to win a Super Bowl. But I think they're they're a fringe playoff team. Yeah, and. It's going to go back to what do you get out of Ben Roethlisberger and the fact that you have Mike Tomlin. So now I said Mike Tomlin can get almost everything out of a 1-53 through 53 roster better than almost any head coach in the league. And I think the guy who gets more out of those players is the guy who coaches the number one team in this division. The 14-2 and two last year, Baltimore Ravens, led by the MVP, Lamar Jackson, 3,127 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, 6 picks and 1,206 rush yards. Guy's a freak. What do you expect out of the Baltimore Ravens this year? A lot of the same, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think you just go ahead and plug in J.K. Tobbins. Okay, thank you very much. Um, the defense is elite. We know it's elite. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not going to miss a beat. 
I, I honestly don't believe it. Um, I don't think they're going to go 14 and two again. I really don't because going to 14 and two in the NFL is really hard to do. Um, especially when one of your losses is to the Browns. Uh, blew them out. But I just think that the ability for them to run the football and, and people can say that they're going to figure out Lamar Jackson. You know me, I was, I'm, and I'm still somewhat of Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. right? But their ability to run the ball, if you can't stop their run, you're not going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. I don't care what you're going to say. Yeah, if you can't stop them running the ball, Lamar Jackson will throw it on you and he will be successful doing it. Yep. Uh, it's that simple because you can only stack the box and blitz so many. Lamar Jackson, he's not like handicapped. He can throw the ball. Like, I, I, I mean, I expect him to, to, you know, do a lot of the same. And again, and J.K. Dobbins, you know, the ability for, uh, you know, for Hollywood to, 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 to progress another year at the wide receiver position. Um, they, they, they have, they have fantastic tight ends. That offense is going to be humming. You know, that defense is always going to be good because they always are good. Um, ama- for- that defense, it's amazing how they just plug and play constantly. Correct. Always replenish it. Yeah, it's it's almost like they don't miss, they don't swing and miss mm-hmm. when they're taking a legit defensive player in the draft. It's just the way they are. Or when they or when they grab a free agent, he plugs right into the system and has a specific role. That's fantastic. Um so for me to get my record for the for the Ravens, and what's the over under for the Ravens? 11.5. I want to go over. I'm going to go 12 and 4. All right. You look at this team, and we talked about the defense here. You lost Michael Pierce, but then you add Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf to a defensive line that already has Brandon Williams. That is a stout defensive line. Calais Campbell, those who don't know, is a. Five million dollar or five million pound statue that yes. can rush the passer. What's he weigh? Three seventy, and he's Calais Campbell's fantastic. He's like six eight, three thirty, and moves like a cat. And he's up there. He's thirty five years old, I believe, now at this point. But he still, still just gets it done. And now when you're putting him on that defensive line with that talent, it's unbelievable what he can do. So they franchise Matthew Judon, and then you look at what they did. They're like, oh, your linebackers. Well, you like lost Patrick on Musar. You need to get better at linebackers. So they're like, okay, we'll draft Patrick Queen, who was possibly the number one pure linebacker in the draft. Then you're like, oh, we'll get Malik Harrison, who was probably a top 75 pick at 93. You'll get two linebackers who can plug and play immediately. And you're like, oh, we're pretty good at running the football. We're going to add J.K. Dobbins, who's going to be an absolute star in that offense. Maybe not weeks one through six, but down the stretch, that kid is going to take over. And you can mix him with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and Justice Hill. And it is unbelievable, the talent there in the backfield. They're going to run the football down your throat. And the second you come up on them, Hollywood Brown's going to run right past you. And I Mark still, Andrews. Or Mark Andrews. Yeah, they, they have so many weapons. They do. And then you had Devin DuVernay, who is going to be excellent as a slot guy, who if Lamar gets really better in the pocket as far as a thrower, Devin DuVernay is going to tear it up. This is a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. And it's all on the shoulders of one Lamar Jackson and how much he improves as a peer thrower because I think eventually they will catch on to yeah. see how to stop him. And you see yeah. that in the playoffs the past few years where he's gotten shut down, where they just, if they don't let them get the football, if you run the football down this team's throat, or if you just stuff him repeatedly. Get a, lead. get a lead, you can get ahead of this team and you can do it. So they're over under is an 11 and 11.5. And I'm going to take the under. I think they're an 11 and five football team. I still have them winning this division, mainly because they're head coach. Like this division, you look at it, it's stacked. The head coaches in this division at the top in Tomlin and Harbaugh, possibly one of the best coach divisions in the league. But we I said gotta, that last year about the ASP. Hot take, hot take on whatever the J- July 9th. There's a 0% chance of all three Ravens are winning the Super Bowl. I'll shave my damn head. I'll shave my damn head if they win. All right, we're going to mark that down an hour and three minutes and 30 seconds into our July 9th show. Drew says, if the Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl, he will shave his head. Sure. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they have the talent to do so. No, I'm I just, don't. 
when they get to the playoffs, they just completely get shut down. So to recap, both of us took the under of 5.5 on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns over under was eight. Both of us took the over on the Cleveland Browns. And that's a prediction surely to be wrong, but hopefully not. Pittsburgh, the over under nine and a half. Both of us took the over, looking at 10 and six. And on Baltimore, 11 and a half was the over, under. I took the under, he took the over. And that, my friends, our AFC North 2020 preview. 11 and a half is a juicy number, man. It is. Oh, Vegas, Vegas knows what they're doing out there. I swear to you. That is a good football team with a very good football coach. And if you continue to grow as Lamar Jackson, that's going to be a scary team. Now, before we get out of here, I want to say I saw something. I want to say it was – I want to say it was someone from Fox Sports that said, 10 years from now, the way we have the LeBron-MJ who's better debate, we will have the Tom Brady-Pat Mahomes debate. Do you think that will be the fact in 10 years? No. I'm with you on that. No. I don't think he wins nearly as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady did. The fact that Tom Brady – like, Tom Brady has, what, six? And he's been nine. Yep. And he's played – like, he's lost three Super Bowls and has mm-hmm. six of them. Like, all the dude does is play in the Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. that, that may never happen again. Like, it may not. I mean, for somebody to play in the Super Bowl nine times – I don't know if you'll ever see a quarterback play a Super Bowl nine times. How many Super Bowls does Patrick Mahomes win by the end of this contract? Three. It won't. Well, including including the one. So yeah. So two. So I okay. Am I allowed to include the one from last year? If not, I say two. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll say career. So yeah, we'll okay. say career. So three. Three. That's where I'm at as well. I think they have a chance to win this year, next year, and then I think eventually down the road they win another one. I think that's how it's going to work. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? Tigers playing next week, boys and girls. El Tigre. Yeah, he's back. First time he's played since February 16th on tour. So we're happy where, to have back. And where is the tour this year or this uh, week? Well, it's actually the same place this weekend. Next week, it's the Muirfield Village Jack Scores in Columbus, Ohio, two weeks okay. in a row. So, right down the road from us. And who's going to win this week? Uh, this week, uh, I will take Colin Morcow. All right. So, write it down. And as next close week, as you're going to get to Cat. I'll take the Cat. All right. So, that's close. You're going to get to Ward's Wagers until we get some real sports here, which hopefully we will have coming up. Kids, wear your masks, please. Do whatever you can to help eradicate this damn COVID-19 that's killing us in 2020. Because, yeah, it's killing a lot of people. But we also want sports. It's ruining everything. Everything. Tired of it. And with that being said, I think we're done for the night. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Those of you listening on Spotify, Apple Pods, Google Pods, iHeartRadio, and Anchor.fm. If you want to watch next week, we will be back live. From 9 to about 10 p.m., we've gone over once again on our Facebook page, fb.me backslash fcfspod. And remember, as always, if you live the life you love, you'll love the life you live. Good night, kids.